Good morning, everyone. Morning. How are we doing? Yeah. Good. So, um, I just wanted to say before we started, uh, how fantastic the worship team are. Yeah. You agree? Yeah. <clears throat> I think obviously we do give them thanks afterwards, but it's just good to kind of say, you know what? I'm really thankful for you guys. You work hard. The Bible says that um, He provides skilled musicians. And so I'm really happy that they're not just skilled, but they're anointed. And um, so just if you get the opportunity, maybe just to say thank you to those guys and, and to people, um, you know, whenever you see them just knocking about, just say thanks for your hard work and your practicing. And uh, yeah, you are awesome. Cool. So um, John chapter four, is that right? No. Oh, oh. Which chapter? Three. Yeah, we can, I think we can do that. Go on then. We'll do, we'll do three. So if you want to turn to John chapter three. And before I read it, I want to do a little exercise of us. Um, not a physical exercise, don't worry. Um, so with the person next to you, I want you to uh, take it in turns, but I want you to prove that you were born physically. Okay, so with the person next to you, I want you to prove that you were born physically. Go, give you, give you some time to do that. Okay, have we proved it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay, so do you want to just shout out some of the things you said? How about you guys over here? Okay, so we've got belly buttons. Our proof that they were born, okay? I was not expecting that. Right, okay. Anything else? Just feel free to shout out. Birth certificate. Wonderful, okay. So, so birth certificate, yeah, okay, so a birth certificate does... You know, it's a valid form of identification, isn't it? You can't, you know, if you're buying a house or whatever, you can't, you know, to prove that you're born, you can't say, well, I'm here, right? You know, you, they, you know you, they, they need some evidence, don't they? So, um, but however, if you think about it, a birth certificate, passport, um, it's not actually proof that a birth took place, right? I mean, what's, what's a stronger form of evidence that you were born? Huh? A video? Okay. What's, um, do we do that in the UK? Do we film? Come on. What is the strongest evidence that you were born? I'm going to tell you. You ready? Because <clears throat> it's not a passport or a birth certificate because... No one's going to say, if, I mean, does anyone have their passport or birth ticket today? No. Oh, the one day you don't carry it around with you. <laughs> but that one day. See, right, is the, no one's going to say, if you don't have it, I, I'm not going to say, Dammy, I'm sorry, I just don't believe you were born. Right. You know, I just don't believe it. So I'm just going to pretend that you don't exist. No. The most important, most strongest evidence that you were born is that you're alive now. Right? It's that you're alive right now. That's the strongest evidence that you were born. 
John chapter 3. So we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. John chapter 3. <clears throat> and I'm reading from the New International Version, and it says this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Wow. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I, I agree. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind, same word for spirit, blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things right now and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? This is an incredible conversation, isn't it, between uh, Jesus and probably the, the highest spiritual authority of his day, uh, Nicodemus, teacher of Israel, okay, leader or, you know, of the Pharisees, we get the impression here. He knows stuff, right? Nicodemus, you know, he's, he's a wise person. Pharisees memorize the first four books of the Hebrew Bible, okay? They were clever, right? But we, what do we see here? He doesn't quite know who Jesus is. Right? If, if he knew Jesus was really God, right, incarnate, in, in the flesh, sat next to him, do you really think that Nicodemus would sneak out at night time? No, I mean, he's sneaking out at night time because he doesn't want the other Pharisees knowing that he's hanging out with Jesus, right? But he doesn't quite know who Jesus is. He says, I've seen the signs, I, I've seen you do stuff, and I can kind of guess that, yeah, you're from God, but, but I, I, he doesn't quite know yet, right? And um, we can see, when we read it, don't we, we see there's a bit of a misunderstanding here. Jesus is using the analogy of physical birth to explain a spiritual birth. Nicodemus is a little bit stuck, isn't he? He says, what does he say? Um, oh, okay, so I have to enter my mother's womb again. No, that's, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, Jesus, when he says this word, born again, it can also mean born from above or born anew. And we know, don't we, that the kingdom of God, that, that's not just somewhere we go to when we die, is it? That's, that's God's rule and reign here in the now. Yeah, okay? right, yeah. Jesus is saying, you can't even be part of what I'm doing yeah. unless you're born again. Yeah. Yeah. Nicodemus is a little bit confused. Mm. How can this be? Mm. What do you mean? I, Nicodemus, teacher of Israel, what do you mean I have to be born again? Mm. We aren't the problem, Jesus. Okay, the Pharisees aren't the problem. <laughs> Other people are the problem. We do everything right. Okay, we, you know, we, we tithe everything we can see, right? We would, I don't know, we'd 
tithe air if we could. Okay, we, we tithe everything, and, and we're, we're perfect, all right? Other people, they're the problem, right? We, we don't need to be born again. But we know, don't we, that Jesus is starting a new family, a born-again family, a family of the Holy Spirit. But on one condition, you must be born again. Um, uh, two weeks ago, John chapter 1, I don't know if I think we read this first, but um, it says this, it's just important. John chapter 1 from verse 11. Jesus came to that which was his own, the Jews, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is key. Children born, not of natural descent, okay? Nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here, you know, forget the family you were born into, Nicodemus. I don't care that you descended from Abraham and you've got this Jewish line. I I don't really care, Nicodemus. I'm saying that you, even you, teacher of Israel, you must be born again. And maybe some of us in this room feel a little bit like Nicodemus. Um, You know, I've been part of this church since I was little, um, I've, I've done everything right. I come to church on time. And I've, I ran around this floor when I, was, when I was small. I've been part of this church for 27 years, five days and two hours. <laughs> I remember when we used to use OHPs, and I know what it stands for. Put your hand up if you don't know what an OHP is. Josh, you know what an OHP Overhead projector. <laughs> My parents even come to this church. I'm sat with them right now. In my class, right, in my class, I'm the only one who goes to church. I know, impressive, isn't it? That's what I tell myself anyway, you know. I'm the only one that goes to church in my class. Reckless Love, good song. I can sing it backwards. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, I've been to Bible college. Yeah, yeah, I have. Didn't do very well, but I went to Bible college, <laughs> right? I, I went there. That's the important bit you need to tell people. Oh I have an MA in theology. Ooh. Theology. <laughs> And I try not to go on about it, you know. MA in theology. Jesus says here, right, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, Nicodemus, I'm saying you can't enter, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Unless you're born anew. So I guess the question on all of our lips, uh, on all of our minds right now is, um, what does it mean to be born again? What's he talking about here? What is Jesus talking about? It's important to know that um, as we read John's gospel, and there's two ways people have often looked at John's gospel. Um, they've, they've looked at it in, in one way, sacramentally. Okay? So turn to the person next to you and say, sacramentally. Yeah, so some people have viewed it sacramentally. So all that means is, so for example, in John chapter 6, when Jesus says, um, when he feeds loads of thousands of people, right, with bread, remember that story? 
and, and he says, I am the bread of life. People have read it sacramentally. Okay? Oh, he's talking about communion. He's talking about bread and wine. Right. And then other people have said, no, it's, it's not sacramental. I'll turn to the person next to you. It's not sacramental. He's just saying, I'm all you need. And the same for this chapter, right? You must be born again of spirit and water. Well, that sounds sacramental to me. That sounds like baptism. Actually, no, it's not. It's describing something a little bit more, a spiritual rebirth. I think there's truth in both. But um, remember, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God, born again. Being born again, okay, we're not dismissing baptism here, but there's more to what Jesus is saying here. Being born again is only something that God and the Spirit can do. The the, the Spirit, the wind, it, it goes wherever it wants to. I've written just a few things down into, you know, when I think of being born again, and here's what I've written. Being born again happens when God, by his spirit, starts to move in people and causes their hearts to respond to him. Being born again means receiving the very life of God, the spirit of God, inside of you. Yes. Being born again is a realization of God's immediate presence. Being born again means a permanent change in your heart towards God and other people where you now have new godly desires and passions. Being born again means being transformed by the relentless love of God. Being born again means becoming a new creation, right? Going from death to life. Some people have used words, haven't they? Like conversion, spiritual renewal, Spiritual awakening to try and explain what this born again is all about. But when it happens, it happens. You can't be a little bit born again, right? Only fully born again. Notice that Jesus doesn't say to Nicodemus, hey Nick, can I call you Nick? (laughs) Um, In order to see the kingdom of God, Nick, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you need to stop watching that dodgy program on Netflix. Right? Uh, number two, Fortnite. Okay, I know it's a great game, right? But just, just, just play it less. And most importantly, I mean, this is a no-brainer. Stop hanging around with the Pharisees. Right? I mean, we clearly don't get on. No, right? There is nothing that Nicodemus can do. For you to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Only God, right, by his spirit, which blows wherever it wills, only God can do that. Being born again, okay, isn't behavioral management, right? It isn't making bad people good people, but being born again is making dead people live. That's what it's all about. That's what Jesus is getting at here. So, um, born again, right, um, we, we, we like it, don't we, when um, we hear those dramatic conversion stories. You know, um, there's probably people here with those stories. You've seen them on YouTube. You know, people have been on those, like, crazy life stories of drugs and, and just, you know, they've been stabbed and it's just, wow. and then they have an encounter with Jesus. And they're just born again. 
we don't we love those stories? And you can read about the people in church history who have had similar experiences. Can you think of someone else in the New Testament with a dramatic story like that? Yeah, Paul, right? On the road to Damascus, what's he doing? Right, I'm going to go and kill some Christians. I'm going to persecute the Christians. And, and he has this dramatic uh, encounter with Jesus, doesn't he? And what's he do? He just is completely changed, right? And God turns him around and sends him in the right direction. We think about those stories, don't we? Um, but maybe you think, I've not had a Damascus experience. I've not had anything like that. Am I even saved? People talking about these crazy stories. You know, maybe you were seven when you decided to give your life to Jesus and and receive all that he has for you. I want to just say, even a seven-year-old child, right, saying, I need Jesus. I I, I want his spirit. I, I need more of him. Even that is as beautiful and dramatic as some of those crazy stories. Right? It's just as dramatic and beautiful, and the, the noises in heaven are just as loud. Right? Don't ever dis, like, say, just say to yourself, oh man, I wish I had a great story. It's ridiculous. Be thankful if you grew up in a Christian household. Be thankful for that. Um, C.S. Lewis, great Christian, uh, prolific author, he, he describes his, um, his, he said he was the, the most reluctant convert in all of the church. He, he, he describes his new birth as uh, giving in to the relentless pursuit of the hound of heaven. Right? That's how he describes it. Almost like finally wrestled and finally given. I like that. Um, you have to, uh, the mothers in the room, and if is Rachel White here? God, thank you. Oh, just pray for some things and they happen, you know. I'm joking. I love Rachel White. You'll understand why I'm saying that. Um, so, labour, not the party, Gavin. The, the... <laughs> now I've said that, this will sound interesting. Um, giving birth. Okay, I, I'm, I just want to apologise. I have no experience, personal experience, of the labour process. So please just give me a lot of grace in this next analogy. Okay? Please? <laughs> okay, so... Um, but I have friends who have had babies, all right? I, I know people who have had babies. My mum had seven. I'm one of seven. Um, so I'm trying to find something here. Um, so this is what I get from it, right? You hear people who have had children, and, and the labour process can be different, can't it? It can be quite long and dramatic. Yeah? For some people, it's not like that at all. It's... It's sure and relatively uneventful. Yeah? Either long and dramatic. Or short and relatively uneventful, okay? That's just my uh, limited experience and the stories I've been told, okay? But I think it's interesting because that's similar maybe to our own birth experience and our own spiritual birth. Maybe there was some sort of dramatic um, you know, event that happened in your life. Or maybe it was just, you probably would say, it's quite uneventful. Mm. Whatever it was, all right, it's not important how it happens, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's not important how you got to that point. Yeah. What's important is that you were born yeah. and you now have a vibrant, active faith in Jesus. Yeah. Going back to the beginning about proving you were physically born, 
What's important? You're alive now. When we talk about this spiritual new birth, it's important that you're alive now. Don't point back to a moment, oh yeah, back then when someone prayed for me and, and, and that's how I know I'm saved. But no, it's, it's, it's an active now. What's happening now in your life? So um, I want to just, um, um, John 3.16, we've got to read that, haven't we? So um, let's carry on reading, shall we? Uh, verse 13 says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up on a cross, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son being born again means you are loved children of God and whoever you are this morning you know whatever you've done wherever you've been, whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling right now, know this, you are unconditionally, unreservedly, uncontainably loved by the creator and sustainer of all things. Read it again, what God had a choice, didn't he? His, his one and only son, or, or those who time and time again reject relationship with him. He, he had a choice. He chose to suffer and see his only son executed and humiliated than be without us. Jesus himself would rather die than be without you. Romans 5.8 says it, doesn't it? While we were still sinners, while we were not on our best day, on our worst day, at our worst, Christ died for you. He died while we're at our worst. And he isn't in love with Corey in five years' time. He, he loves Corey right now. He loves Corey right now, just as he is, and not how he should be. Right. Being born again means you're loved children of God. Right. Sometimes we put so much energy, don't we, into defining ourselves based on what we do, right. you know, our jobs, our careers, based on what we have, you know, our possessions, based on what people say about us. The problem is, um, life happens, doesn't it? And we can lose our jobs, we can lose our possessions, and people can say really horrible things about us. We can have great highs, and we can have really great lows as well. But the good news is, you're not defined by your job, your career. You're not defined by what you have or don't have. And you're not defined by what other people say about you. You are loved by God. That's who you are. That's how you're defined. So it means that maybe you lose your job or maybe you lose possessions or, or maybe people say really horrible things about you. But if you define yourself as I am loved by God, then you feel safe, free and secure from all those other burdens. Hope doesn't put us to shame, Romans 5.5 5 says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know, as we look at John's gospel and we continue to look at John's gospel through those two lenses, which are? 
Yeah, discipleship and mission, mission and discipleship. It's so important that we see God's love as, as like the bridge between discipleship and mission. And what I mean by that is, you know, as we follow Jesus, okay, a spirit-filled, born-again people, that's our kind of discipleship, we, we cross that bridge to mission where we love other people and see them become added to the kingdom, right? It's the bridge. Notice how it doesn't say, um, oh, because God so loved his children. Or because God so loved the elect. But no, what's it say? God loves the world. He loves everyone. He loves all of creation, even those who don't love him. Right? Even that person at your workplace who's really annoying, you wish they'd just apply for a new job. He loves them. The problem is we seem to have gotten ourselves into is we proclaim the gospel as good news, but the world hears it as good advice. And people are more aware, aren't they, of what we're against than what we're for. But if we would just start to think like God, and we love all people, and we see them as God sees them, amazing things will happen. God loves everyone. Um, I, I just thought it'd be good on, on a practical note to, um, to respond. Um, so I'm going to ask the band to come up. Um, you can't even see or enter the kingdom of God, Jesus says, unless you're born again. It really matters for our discipleship and mission to be born again. So um, I want to ask you right now to, uh, maybe you want to just stay where you are, sat down. Maybe you want to stand up and, and sing this song. We're going to sing um, Reckless Love together. Um, maybe all that born again talk that I've been saying, maybe either you, you don't know Jesus. You, you're sat here today and you don't know Jesus. You don't have an active relationship with Jesus. And maybe as I've been speaking, the Spirit's been moving in your heart and you've been kind of wanting to respond to that. Where you are right now, sit where you are right now, or stand or raise your hands and sing this song with us. Maybe you feel a little bit dry, and, and, and as I was talking about those past moments, you were thinking, yeah, I remember back in the past when I was, had that active faith, and, and, and maybe you want a little bit of refreshing, maybe you want to, God to come and move in you right now. Invitations open. So I want to just uh, encourage you, uh, you can stand up if you like, um, or you can sit down and you can sing this song. You don't have to. You can just close your eyes and engage with God. But I want to create space for His Spirit to move right now.